Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. I am Bela Sebrow. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is calling for an uprising as tensions build. As we are seeing the increasing deadly attacks on Israeli civilians by Palestinian terrorists and the increasing deteriorating relations between Israel and the United States, things are not looking good. Not only that, but Israel is just days away against Iran's enriching nuclear material for a bomb. This and more will be discussed today on the show. With us is the Definitive Raps Israeli correspondent, Barry Shaw. Barry is Israel's international public diplomacy director at the Israel Institute for Strategic Studies. He regularly contributes to various media outlets, including the Jerusalem Post, and is a frequent speaker at conferences and pro-Israel advocacy events. Barry Shaw has been a staunch defender of Israel and the public diplomacy arena for decades, and he has initiated the creation of several pro-Israel grassroots groups. He has a keen following of tens of thousands of people globally and is the author of Israel Reclaiming the Narrative, Fight, Fighting Hamas, BDS and Anti-Semitism, and his most recent book, BDS for Idiots, which employs ridicule as new method of countering BDS activists and disclaiming their slander against Israel with facts and humor. As always, Barry gives a full account of details not heard anywhere else. Mainstream media does not necessarily cover everything, and Barry always fascinates our viewers and listeners. Barry, welcome back to The Definitive Rap. Very nice to see you again. Thanks for having me on your show. Barry, there is a storm going on in Israel over the judicial reform. Please tell us about that. Yeah, okay. But I'm sure you've heard about um, a lot of the uh, protests that are going on, in, mainly in the Tel Aviv area, over um, uh, the new government's uh, insistence on pressing on with what's called judicial reforms over here. And I don't know how deeply you know about the subject, but the um, the protests are being organized basically by a losing uh, opposition purportedly against, like we said, the judicial reforms, which include um, uh, reining in an unelected judiciary made up of 15 self-appointed judges. Let's go into detail here, and I'll show you how it differs here, the Israeli system, to the American system or others as well. The problem really began in 1995 when Judge Aaron Barak became the president of the Israeli Supreme Court. He was elected, he became president of the Supreme Court through seniority when the last president retired, and he quickly became a political judge, uh, weighing in on decisions made up by the government. Um, Israel doesn't have a constitution, but um, it has its uh, basic laws, and the Supreme Court uh, set a new basic law called the Human Dignity and Liberty. Um, it says the purpose of the basic law is to protect uh, human dignity and liberty. 
in order to establish a basic law and the values of the state of Israel as a Jewish and a democratic state. Well, who is going to decide on who is a Jew? Uh, the religious authorities, according to Talmudic traditions, or a secular Supreme Court judge. Uh, but Birat began to dabble in the definition of who is a Jew. And he performed what I call jujitsu <laughs> by uh, transforming uh, the term uh, Jewish into a, a, a synonym for the term uh, democrat, democratic. Uh, and I, I want to quote him here. The basic values, he said, of Judaism are the basic values of the state. I mean, the values of love of man, the sanctity of life and uh, society, justice, doing what is good and just, protecting human dignity. He even sneaked in the rule of law over the legislature and the like values which uh, Judaism bequeathed to the whole world. Um, and he was actually forced to backtrack by admitting that uh, Israeli Jewish values are indeed learned from sources uh, internal to Judaism and not from a secular point of view. Uh, this might be felt a little bit, I suppose, in America, where parts of Judaism in America are adopting what's called progressive values and ditching a lot of traditional Judaism along the way. There's a sort of similarity there somewhere. But Barak introduced the, um, the principle of reasonableness, which uh, really just defended, depended on his own political views. And a lot of his decisions were, in fact, political on a particular uh, law. I'll just give you some examples, for instance. Um, Israel is the, a, a tiny country, right? We don't have 300 million people like you have in America. Right. In 1995, the population of Israel was only five and a half million, barely able to employ its own citizens. And it was invaded at that time by a tsunami of illegal economic migrants from Africa that crossed Egypt and walked into a borderless uh, border with into Israel, literally walked over the border uh, into the and, and basically inundated the major towns over here. This is a sort of a thing which you may relate to in America with your border crisis over there. And they literally took over parts of a poor, poor areas of different towns, particularly in Tel Aviv, totally inundated themselves. And in a lot of places, actually replacing the poor Israeli workers for working for less money than those forcing a lot of the Israelis into housing, out of housing, because they couldn't afford to, the rent anymore. Yes. So Benjamin Netanyahu was prime minister at that time, uh, and who had replaced Shimon Peres because of the rise of Palestinian terror attacks. Um, and and some of that was actually coming over the border from Egypt, from Sinai, into Israel. And he decided, conceived uh, of a plan in which to put up a border fence over here. And Barack found it unreasonable to stop the construction. It wasn't a wall, it was a border fence which was patrolled to do two things. A, to stop the terrorism coming in from Sinai and Egypt into Israel, and also to stop the flow of tens of thousands of uh, economic migrants coming into the country as well. And therefore, uh, uh, this uh, Supreme Court president uh, 
struck down the law and says you cannot construct a fence. And it took Israel several years to overcome his objections. And by that time, Israel had suffered a lot of dead from terrorism and also a lot of major issues going on in the town's particular Tel Aviv of crimes like drugs, rape, theft, uh, and things like this. Uh, and we've been paying the price for that ever since. Let me give you another one. Um, Israel was at that time also, but later on, coming onto offshore energy. We had started to explore and discover uh, natural energy under the Mediterranean in our maritime legitimate uh, area, territory. Yeah. And uh, the Israeli government struck up an arrangement with an Israeli company, and I think it was a French company at the time, to continue the exploration and giving them a contract for several years in which to uh, drill and uh, bring, bring up the, the natural energy over there with a plan in order to export it to Europe at that time. This was, again, stopped by Barak, the, 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 the judge, because he said, the, in his opinion, the contract that the Israeli government came up with with the uh, developers and the uh, contractors was unreasonable. Uh, he wasn't taking any consideration of the amount of money they had invested in the exploration, not knowing what the results would be. Well, when they began to find the natural energy, the natural gas, they wanted to be compensated for that. Now, this exploration, this production was held up for several years before the Israeli government managed to overcome his objection. Uh, let me put it this way. If Aaron Brach had, uh, uh, Brach had not been uh, instrumental in stopping the production of this, we could have been actually exporting this natural energy years ago making Israel far more prosperous. And also, we would have, Europe would have been enjoying, the, at this time, energy from natural energy, natural gas, which they're short of because of the Ukraine-Russia war, uh, and it would have relieved their, their stresses and strains today. So these are just a couple of the examples, but there are many more. There was an education minister, for instance, who um, was selecting candidates, uh, reviewing candidates for what's called the Israel Prize, which is the most major and prestigious prize given, handed out to uh, the leading Israelis every year on Independence Day. And she rejected the, the, the uh, application of a man who had been a professor who had been a leading member of the BDS movement in Israel and what he was calling out to boycott Israel and she didn't think it was timely or, or to have somebody who wants to boycott Israel to be awarded with an Israeli prize on Independence Day and Aaron Barak even objected to that. So we found some of the decisions that had been made by Barak were politically motivated, even if he called it reasonableness, and they were usually always supporting a progressive left-wing view. Now, this government has decided it was a time to end these sort of claims, and also that the Israeli judges should be elected and not elected among themselves, but by the people. Um, and this is what a lot of the argument is about these days. Not totally, but some of the arguments and the protests that are going on. How dare this right-wing government of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu decide that they would have to vote in any future particular um, uh, judge 
uh, and I, I've been doing some homework, Bea, for your for your show, and I think okay. actually mentioned in some others, right? I just want to quote, for instance, if it's undemocratic for an Israeli government who uh, represents the majority of the, uh, the people by virtue of the election. So I turn to the mother of all uh, governments, uh, uh, of democracies, and that's the UK Parliament, for instance. I wanted to find out how Britain elect their, uh, uh, their judges. Do the judges elect themselves? Uh, or, or does one become the president of the British Supreme Court because of superiority? Absolutely not. Uh, Parliamentary sovereignty is the principle of UK constitution. Generally, the courts cannot overrule its legislation and no parliament can pass laws that future parliaments cannot change. Parliamentary sovereignty, says, is the most important part of the UK constitution. Now, it's true that Israel doesn't have a constitution. It has basic laws. But the UK Supreme Court, and I'm reading here from the British uh, uh, files, uh, the UK Supreme Court does not have the power to strike down legislation passed by the UK Parliament. It is the court's role to interpret the law and develop it where necessary, rather than formulate public policy. This is exactly what this government, the BB government, is attempting to do right now. So the objection looks strange. New Zealand has a similar situation. And then I turn to you, Bila, and I say, how do you select judges or elect judges do the judges of your supreme court elect themselves what's that but actually the united states system is a bit different to ours you have a president and the president when a vacancy occurs can select a candidate but he the president cannot say this man or lady is going to be on the supreme court he has to bring it to congress correct which is the people's house and then the people decide whether they want that person in the court as a judge or not. So when Israel That's is what trying, democracy is all about. We're getting these objections. Now, there may be a sort of reasonable discussions by some of the opposition who are taking to the streets of saying that, for instance, Israel, these, this Bibi government may be actually wanting to make laws that suit himself to get off his trial or to do things that are not acceptable to us or whatever. But, you know, what goes around comes around in the United States. You know, if you have a Republican president over there and a Republican majority in the House or the Senate, uh, then they can vote for the candidate that that particular Republican president puts up. But if it comes in the lifetime of a Democrat president and a Democrat uh, uh, Congress, then it's, it swings and roundabouts. And it should be the same way here. <clears throat> so I think a lot of the things that are going on in Israel right now is more to do with the losing opposition who sees the way that the Israeli people are voting. And they have to use their power uh, rather than being in the Knesset. My demand of the opposition is if you have a case to make, Get into the uh, committee rooms of the Knesset where you're supposed to be and do some horse trading. You do, do, don't do do it by taking to the streets, by blocking traffic, by increasing level of violence was starting to get over here, by protests. The other couple of things that I want to make uh, uh, on your show is a couple of unseemly things that are going on right now. We are having, for instance, one of the successes of Israel as the innovative nation, the high-tech, 
and uh, technology and these sort of things. So what we've had recently have been members of the high-tech elite in Israel actually demanding or saying that people who are investing in high-tech in Israel should remove their money from Israel and take it abroad as an objection to this government. So they would impoverish Israel in the name of democracy. Well, it's funny because a couple of the people involved in this are directly involved with the bank called the SV Bank, the Silicon Valley Bank. And these people were encouraging people to take their money out of Israel and put it in Silicon Valley, the high-tech center of the world, and take it there. So what happened was the people who removed the money from Israel put it into the Silicon Valley Bank, and the Silicon Valley Bank declared bankruptcy. You know, it reminded me, and I'm not really a religious guy, as you can see by looking at me, but at the same time, it reminded me of Genesis 12, of some property of the past, that I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. So this is a prophecy from the 3,000 years ago, seem to be coming true today in 2023, that the people who are cursing Israel and actually being, I would say, treacherous towards Israel by trying to remove the high-tech uh, geniuses and the money out of Israel and taking it into Samaritan Valley and the, and the bank goes broke. So it was a stroke of strange coincidence, right? But what happened was that Bank Lumi, which had started life as the Anglo-Palestine Bank in Israel before it became the National Bank, Bank Lumi, had somehow, because of their connections, had managed to extract up to a billion shekels worth of money, Israeli money, from the SVB Bank before it collapsed. It folded and brought it back to Israel. So in a sense, we didn't suffer. But we had these people who were prepared to take out the leading edge of Israel and take it abroad as if they're not Israeli anymore. And this was followed by some of the leading commanders of particularly the most ones that struck the headline over here by the elite Israeli Air Force who were saying they would not turn up when it comes to their term of duty. And they were recommended some of the pilots would actually not uh, come to youth come there for their uh, usually uh, uh, recruitment of uh, needed, and this is at a particular time where if we're going to face now potential lethal rocket attacks from Gaza, and also what we'll be discussing later in the show, Iran being supposedly twelve days from having reached a, enough sufficient nuclear material to make a bomb where we need our planes. And to have the commander, one of the commanders of the Israeli Air Force, telling the people not to turn up for duty <coughs> is, again, I would suggest, not democratic, it's anti-democratic and completely dangerous for the state of Israel. Barry, there appears to be deteriorating relations between Israel and the Biden administration over a range of issues. Can we talk about that? There are a number of issues, and some of them are very serious right now. Let me let me point out one of the things from um, uh, a place that's in the headline here in Israel called Huwara. I don't know if you're aware of this in, in the States, but Huwara is a Palestinian Arab town 
and it happens to be lie alongside a fairly major highway, roadway from uh, some of the uh, Israeli towns in Judea and Samaria, uh, heading to, for instance, Jerusalem and other places. And we've had terror attacks. Uh, two brothers were killed. Uh, and just the other day, uh, an American Israeli was shot at. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of his uh, yes, bullet-ridden yes, it's, car. It's, it's all over the uh, media. This guy yes, turned into be a, a hero, David Stern, who was driving through to go to Jerusalem with his wife, uh, Rachel, where they were shot out by a Palestinian gunman, riddled yes. with, with bullets. And somehow he was hit in the head, and yet somehow he managed to fire and shoot several shots at the terrorist, injuring him, who and he made off the terrorist who was later uh, caught and, uh, and neutralized. Uh, but then he had... He Thank God he's going to be okay. Himself, ...called for help, an ambulance, and he was taken to hospital. David Stern. Now... I want to tell you some background for a while, which is deeply troubling, deeply troubling by some of the statements of the Biden members of the Biden administration. And I have to read them out of you because they're extremely distressing. We had the death in the same town on the same street, on the same road of two Israeli brothers who were shot to death by the people in Hawaii, by other Palestinian gunmen. And uh, they were shot to death. And, and their friends came into town the following night and set fire to a car lot belonging to a convicted Palestinian terrorist who had uh, been released from Israeli prison and had his life. He was a, a member of Hamas and he was re returned to Hawara, where he opened this stolen car business where he was taking, stripping the cars for spare parts and everything. And out of rage over the death of, uh, of their friends in Hawara, and the fact that the members of Hawara, the residents, were celebrating by handing out cookies and cakes and, and sweetstuffs and having fire, firework uh, displays, celebrating the death of two Jewish uh, brothers, that they went and set fire to this um, uh, Palestinian, former Palestinian terrorist attacks, car lot and um and they evolved in rioting and there was some fighting going on because the people of Hawara were trying to fight and kill these the settlers before they could retreat so what do we the get Jews from are America? being attacked injured and killed as the Palestinians are about to turn Ramadan right, into a religious bloodfest festival I, against I Israel be, I, I want to be careful by the words that I say so I'm going to read it let me get tell you some of the words for instance about Tom Nides the United States Ambassador to Israel, settler violence is causing an enormous amount of pain, he said, uh, and he, as he um, condemned what he called Jewish vigilant rampage in the Palestinian town of Hawara. I never heard Tom Nides actually identify who killed the two brothers. It's funny because as I go... Uh, that's always been the problem. Out, as I read it to you, like you'll find out that... The perpetrators of the killing, the terrorists are unnamed. They're tippexed out of statements coming from your leading State Department personnel. U.S. State Department spokesman Ted, Ned Price demanded that the, United, the Israeli government would prosecute those who had caught what he called deadly settler rampage in Hawara, even though no one was killed. 
by the angry fans of these two murdered brothers in any And he demanded, listen to this, this is your net price from your State Department, that Israel provide compensation for the Palestinians whose homes and property were destroyed or damaged, even though the only destroyed property was a spare lot, car lot, belonging to a former Palestinian terrorist. He wants compensation for from us. The, the Israelis should pay the people from whom the terrorists emanate, we should pay them compensation. Uh, Price Amar, who had the Amar, by the way, went the following the two days later to Hawara. Amar is also the State Department special envoy to the Palestinian authorities, virtually Biden's uh, ambassador to the to the Palestinians, and he made homage to not to the 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 parents of the murdered brothers, for instance, but he went into Hawara saying how much he sympathized for them. This is Adi Amar. The diplomatic bias of the Biden administration is shocking. And it's felt here in Israel over the killing of these men. Another yes, man can you share killed. some undiplomatic remarks from the State Department officials? Nothing at all. They pay homage and tribute and give money to the Palestinian Authority, to Mahmoud Abbas. There was another person killed a few days after the killing in Hawara, near Jericho, Ilan Guares, who was an American-Israeli, uh, who was actually living in America, but he came over, he was on vacation over here. And, 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 and this is it. What did we hear from, from Price? We condemn the horrific killing of two Israeli brothers near Nablus, it was Hawara, and the killing today of an Israeli near Jericho. The Israeli near Jericho was an American, and this was Ned Price. Never mentioned how they were killed. They were killed, I don't know, some sort of anonymous being, maybe somebody from Mars, I don't know, maybe he was killed by another Israeli. You wouldn't know this if you listened to the State Department statements. No identity of the killers at all. This highlights the that the Biden administration is maneuvering around its own laws because you have in America what's called the Taylor Force Act, which really forbids any United States administration and local states in America that have signed on to the bill to provide it to to stop providing funding to the Palestinian Authority until they stop inciting, promoting and rewarding terrorists murdering terrorists who kill in the cause of what's promoted by the Palestinian Authority and by Hamas. We have over here a competing uh, competition of venom, either from Hamas controlling Gaza and having greater and greater influence in the towns and the places that are supposed to be controlled by the Palestinian Authority and by the PLO-led Palestinian Authority as to who can out-compete each other in perpetrating incitement to doubt the killing of Jews in Israel. And the U.S. State Department actually goes along with this. I, I, I could go on, but <laughs> this is it. Hadi Amar, the, one, the, the U.S. Uh, representative, Palestinian Authority, was demanding that Israel take action against the angry young people who murdered the, un, the, young, uh, the, the young brothers. But he never asked for anybody to make compensation by the people of Hawaii or Palestinian Authority to give compensation to the families of the murdered uh, 
Israeli and Jewish uh, victims or to the families or compensation for those who have been suffered injuries from Palestinian terror. Just yesterday, before I you, you spoke to me, uh, a guy died who was injured 11 days ago, 12 days yes. ago, in another Palestinian attack in Tel Aviv on Dieselgoss Street. He was fighting for his life for 11 days and succumbed from his injury. And we have the Biden administration condemning Israel. It's Israel that's perpetrating the violence. It's never the Palestinians, never the Palestinian terrorists. As we know in Israel and our intelligence people, it's covered on our news every night. We are gearing up for tremendous violence that's going to be hitting us at the weekend, probably, during the holiday of Ramadan, which the Palestinians and the Iranians and Hamas and Hezbollah are stoking up to be a religious festival of bloodletting against the Jews and against Israel. This yeah, is the in way... In fact, that, that, I've, I've been know, hearing that travelers... Day. I've been hearing that tra- Israeli travelers are being warned against the tax as well as they're traveling uh, throughout the holiday. I, uh, I mean, it's, it's quite shocking over here of what's happened to the United States support for Israel. We don't see any right now. I, I, it's, it's tragic, but we see no, no support from the, the, amended, the Biden administration, not from the White House and not from the State Department. It's quite sad. It's very sad and very scary. Barry, what has driven Saudi Arabia away from the Abraham Accords and America and into the arms of China and Iran? That's a good point because it follows up beautifully from what I've been expressing right now. Uh, This shows you the total weakness of the U.S. administration over the last couple of years. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu came in, and one of the things that he promised was he's going to do his best to bring uh, Saudi Arabia into the brotherhood of the Arab Muslim nations that have made the Abraham Abraham Accords with Israel for a mutual benefit and to bring peace to the area. But this has got flown out the window. And it flew out the window uh, not because Saudi Arabia likes us or hates us any more than they did before, but it was the missteps of the Biden administration that has driven Saudi Arabia into the hands of Iran and China, and maybe in the future, maybe Russia, I don't know, but it's driven them away. And part of that was done by the insulting behavior of Biden and the Biden administration against Saudi Arabia uh, with regard to the crown prince calling him all sorts of names because of the Khashoggi murder. Uh, it was a terrible thing, but nobody has given him any, any evidence that the crown prince was directly involved with it. He denies it all the time. Uh, but then Biden went to visit him basically because they were he was uh, panicking about the lack of energy for America, and he wanted to have the crown prince uh, uh, increase their oil production so he could provide it to America as well. But by that time, the crown prince had already taken stock of who Biden was and didn't want to cooperate. And he sent him away without uh, any additional money, uh, uh, supplies and things like this. Uh, And therefore, Saudi Arabia who sees Iran as an enemy, um, using the skills of the Middle East, which might be different from the skills of America, which we see lacking when it comes to diplomatic success by the Biden administration, decided that they needed to um, 
to hold off and, and keep uh, Iran at arm's length and try and keep them distant from interfering as much as the Saudi Arabia can from interference in the Middle East. So along came China to want to make various new contracts with Saudi Arabia. And uh, China was instrumental in doing this uh, three-way deal between Saudi Arabia, China, uh, Saudi Arabia, China, and uh, Iran as well. And Saudi Arabia is hoping that China will be the one, the force, the power that will be holding Iran arm's length away from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia really doesn't care what uh, Iran would do with the vis-a-vis to Israel at this time. So it's going to make uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's job infinitely more detailed Uh, difficult to bring Saudi Arabia into the ring of peaceful Arab Muslim states as part of the the Abram Accords. And this has come about because the perceived weakness of the Biden administration, which quite frankly has become in uh, other places in the Middle East, become a laughingstock, sadly. I'm sorry to say this, but this is the way it's been perceived. And you can see it by decisions quite right now, the Iranians are not really interested in the, uh, 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 the, the United States. They can see that the United States is doing the maximum it can to try and keep uh, e- Ukraine out of the clutches of Russia. And they don't, and it seems to them the United States doesn't have the resources or the willpower to take on any issues here in the Middle East or perhaps even in the Far East. Uh, my strategic assessment is that uh, China is also going to be far more involved. This is not going to be for our show over here. But I think that, quite frankly, uh, you can expect once you see that the uh, Ukraine-Russia war dragging on throughout the summer into autumn, coming into winter, uh, repleting America of its military resources, that you will find China taking steps when it comes to Taiwan because it will be catching America, perhaps one of its weakest points, both militarily, economically, and also diplomatically. Um, It's uh, power here in the Middle East because it doesn't seem to have any close allies. We don't think that the United States look on us anymore as a close and unique ally of the United States in the Middle East. The Biden administration, the State Department, want to treat Israel and the Palestinians, which is led by Hamas, not by Palestinian Authority, uh, on an even keel. They want this sort of balance between the two. Once you have balance between the two, you've weakened Israel as well. And this is the fear. This is the fear where the CIA director has said that in his assessment, Iran will have enough uh, enriched uranium for a nuclear missile within 12 days of their willingness to go ahead. And it seems to us that we are going to have to go it alone when it comes to Iran. And this is sad. And it reflects the poor uh, Israel-USA uh, relationships today. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu was elected in November. That's five months ago. Right. I want to remind you, Bila, that President Biden hasn't yet invited what's supposed to be United States staunchest ally in the Middle East to visit him at the White House. Why do you think that, that is, is Barry? Telling, that is a telling condemnation 
of where we stand right now with the vis-a-vis USA-Israel relations. These are scary times. Barry, thank you for joining us today and for sharing with us news and information not heard on mainstream media. We're coming into Pesach, and I'm hoping that uh, we can uh, be delivered from the slavery we're finding ourselves in. And part of that, sadly, is being imposed by your current United States administration right now. I, I hope and pray that somebody can speak common sense into the administration and they can do a uh, 180-degree turn and find out where their real allies lies and where their traditional values should be. And that is with us and not with any terror-supporting organization, whether it's Hezbollah. No, they're not obviously supporting Hezbollah, but certainly Hamas in Gaza and certainly not the PLO-led Palestinian Authority who have ulterior designs. It's about time that the Biden administration took their blinkers off and really looked at what is driving the Palestinian Authority. And it is not peace and reconciliation alongside Israel. It's not even recognizing Israel as the Jewish state in any part of the land. This is a truth that hasn't registered with the people or they're in denial, one of the two. But we're busy being killed and the terrorism is going to continue and the Israeli Defense Forces will have to go into anywhere in which they get the intelligence that another attack is coming from a Palestinian terror cell. And when we do and shooting begins, you always get your headlines over there in the United States that so many Palestinians were killed by, by Israeli armies going in as we're behaving like Rambo going in just to kill Palestinians. This is not true. We go into very dangerous areas, which is completely, if you like, controlled by terror organization gangs, strongly weaponized. And the other thing, finally, I want to tell you, which you reminded me of this, that the one thing that the, uh, the, 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 the Biden administration through Thomas Nides, Blinken, and also uh, Hadi Amar has done is they decided at a conference in Aqaba that the Biden administration is going to now arm again, stronger than ever, uh, train and arm members of the Palestinian Security Authority. So the Biden administration thinks that they are going to go into the Palestinian towns and keep law and order. What they do not understand is that somebody who is a Palestinian security officer by day is a Palestinian terrorist by night. And it means that Israelis are going to be killed going forward by weapons provided to the Palestinian Authority, to the PLO, by the Biden administration. Thank Uh, you, Barry. I always end up some sort of uh, uh, premonition on your show, but this is a a negative one that that I'm going to give you today because this is going to be the outcome simply because members of your administration over there are refusing to see reality on the ground. Once they begin to realize what is going on and listen to the Israeli experts, because I know one or two that have been to Washington and come back so frustrated that they were, unless they realize the truth of what's going on, the the facts of what's going on, and they, they stop this even handedness, 
Only then can we begin to make progress. Thank you for your passionate commentary and information. And I appreciate the time you're giving us on the show. I'm sorry Thank to be you. so negative to you, Bila, and to your viewers over there, but I, I needed to tell you the viewpoint from Israel, yes. and it's really worse, and it shouldn't be this way in the relations between our two great countries. Yes. Let us all pray for world peace. Yep. Thank you again. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.